Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm Ben James and I'm joined by two very special guests today, Simon Thomas and Mark Orders, all done remotely, of course, from three different parts of the world. How are we doing, gents? It's uh, Meisterg and Cardiff Unified, really, this, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed yeah, it is. With our lunches uh, dis- uh, <laughs> delayed uh, for an hour, but there we are. Yeah, fine. You, you fighting well? Keeping fit, Mark? How are you, you doing? Um yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm not doing enough exercise uh, <laughs> in this lockdown period, to be honest. I love you, no, but I, lo- I love you, no, boys. I've lost lost a stone in this, so it's had one positive thing for me. Yeah, to yeah. Mend the what, what? I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't have a weighing scales in my house, and I don't know if that's for the best or the worst. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what I've done, to be honest. So anyway, rugby, rugby, rugby is close to returning. Indeed, it is. Yeah. Um, and it's quite a newsy week uh, um, in terms of, of rugby. Let, let's start with news that broke, um, I think it was Monday. Uh, Nick Tompkins, we know where he's going. Yeah, and it's been well trailed the last few weeks, um, but obviously announced this week. And fair play to the Dragons, um, as they've done with a few players this season. Uh, they put him up uh, for interview, along with Dean Ryan, via Zoom and wonders of Zoom. Um, so we got the chat to him. I was involved in that. And, uh, yeah, he's a bright young man. I, I think Mark spoke to him as well, probably. He's an articulate lad. And, of course, it was interesting. I, I put the question to him because a lot of people have been asking about exactly what was the op- what were the options available to him. Um, I specifically asked him whether there had been um, other one-year loan deals available from the Welsh regions. I mean, his response was that there were at least three loan deals out there. So it's an interesting one, Mark, isn't it? It's it's got it's got uh, fans of other regions quite animated. This uh, this uh, recruitment, doesn't it? Oh, it really has. And and Nick Tompkins a really good player. Uh, that's probably why people are animated. That one region has managed to sort of, uh, shall we say, you know, take it, uh, capture his services. He is a really good player. I think with the Dragons, I think the issue is, will they get value for money? And, um, I mean, we don't know what financial arrangement they've reached with Nick Tompkins, uh, but he is a really quality player. I don't know if he, if he plays 10 games a season, if he scores a try, important try in Europe, gets them through to the semi-final, maybe the final, perhaps they'll consider him value for money. But um, it's a big call. I think. I mean, I think both Mark and I, Ben, are of a view that kind of what happened here is that there was interest from a number of regions. But my understanding is like essentially when it became clear that Nick, Nick Tompkins had, had signed a, a long-term contract extension with Saracens prior to the Six Nations, and that he was only available for a one-year deal, my information is that the Scarlets and the Blues at that point their interest waned. They weren't really interested particularly in just the one-year loan deal for kind of perhaps the reasons that Mark has addressed there. But the Dragons have decided to go for it. That's their you know, their decision. In terms of the funding of it, that's obviously something else that you know has got the old conspiracy theories going because they are WRU-owned. Um, my understanding is that their, their take on it is that Nick Tompkins... Um, Wage is coming out of the Dragons' budget. That's that's the way they would phrase it. Um, I think what we do understand is that although he's a Wales squad member, 
the system where the top players of 80% pay of their wages paid by the union, that, that isn't going to apply when it comes to loan deals. But obviously, given that the Dragons are owned by the union, it starts this whole debate. But bottom line is, he's coming to Wales. He's going to play for the Dragons. I don't know how many games we wait to see, but with Champions Cup rugby coming up, he's a quality addition to their squad when he is available. Yeah, and the other part of, of this, which you mentioned, is the fact that he has signed a long-term deal at Saracens. Um, don't know the full length of that. I've seen well, some people well, say Mark, Mark, what did, Mark, what did you tell me earlier this week that you heard it might be? Well, it was, it, I told you that in confidence. <laughs> 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 Let's say long-term then. <laughs> it's long-term. You know, it, some people say five years, other people say... As long as eight years, which which wow. seems incredible, My and I have word. not heard I have not heard anything like that in professional rugby. That's so you know, you you can take that with a Siberian size pinch of salt. Um, but yeah, you know, suffice to say, a long term deal. He's a good player, though, Mark, isn't he? That's the bottom line. He's he's. A, I mean, you saw that in the Six Nations. Yeah, you know, it was a um, good debut against Italy. Bit of a kind of slight wake up call against Ireland, but just that the one thing, probably the highlight of Wales's championship campaign for me, the way he set that move in motion for Tipperick's try at the start of the second half against England, he just looks like a rugby player who knows what he's doing. Got a great all round game, I think. I, I definitely think you're right. He needs to improve in defence, he missed yes, a lot yes. of tackles, and important ones again, I think it was against Ireland. But when he played against France, he was, he was terrific. He was just popping up here, there, everywhere. He was turning ball over. He was creative. Uh, even his defence improved. So the Dragons have said a really good play. He's supposed to be a, a team player as well. That's what the mood music suggests from Saracens. And it's just a great acquisition. They'll feel good about it. He's going to have a positive influence on the side. And, um, yeah, an all-round good sign-in, it's a shame in a way that it's not a permanent sign-in. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You mentioned the game against France. No, only one Wales player has carried more in a single game since the year 2000 than Nick Tompkins in that game against France. Yeah, I mean, Scott Quinnell, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, he's just very comfortable with the ball in hand. I mean, of course, I mean, he touched on this in the interview we did this week. You've now got the prospect. Obviously, Hadley Parks has gone to Japan. Great service for a few years. And for Wales, he's done a great job. But he's moved on now. But we have Jonathan Davis coming back. And Nick Tompkins was talking about, you know, how much he's admired. Watched Jonathan Davis play for the Lions over the years. And that, to me, is, is a partnership that could be really exciting. I think with Tompkins moving to 12, which he can play just as well. And Jonathan Davis alongside him. And that, to me, has got real prospects of being a, a very effective partnership. It has, it has. Jonathan Davis is getting on. Jonathan's oh, John now. Two now. 32, 32 years. So, for two years, it, it could be a really good partnership for Wales. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, Tompkins is, is a top operator. You don't play for Saracens without having something about you. And, um, yeah, I read your piece, Ben, actually. Um Excluding Owen Watkin from the uh, from the mix, uh, Owen's a good player as well, I think, and um, he just needs a defining performance at Test level. He needs to do something special on the big stage, and uh, that would give him confidence as well if he could do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the season will when Jonathan returns, those two 
will undoubtedly be um, Pivac's first choice centre, as you'd imagine. Um, and maybe, maybe, with a fair win behind him, maybe Tompkins could even be in the mix for the Lions. Of course, Jonathan will be there. But maybe Tompkins could sort of make the cut as well. I think, Mark, the fact he can play 12 and 13 with equal aplomb, that will help him in the Lions shake-up, won't it? He's a really good player. And, you know, when he was sort of, I think he was in the France game last year, or it might have been the England game, he was sort of claiming turnover ball as well. Yep. And for a centre to be doing that and uh, on the ground as well was fantastic. It's sort of, um, I mean, I'm not comparing the two, but it did remind me a little bit of Brian O'Driscoll doing that. Um, and I haven't seen any better centre doing that. So, yeah, I think he's a really good player and I think he'll be uh, a great sort of acquisition, um, albeit, you know, not for long with the uh, with the Dragons. Yeah, let's enjoy him while he's here, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just wrote that, actually. I think, I think someone just, <laughs> yeah. I think someone described him as like a Swiss army knife of a player, which seems a fit-in sort of description because he's, he's not a crash ball centre and he's not a playmaker. He just fits somewhere in between that all-round sort of mould, doesn't he? Yeah, he actually reminds me a bit of the other Irish centre, Gordon Darcy. There's a little bit of him about him, you know, and um, Darcy was a lovely handler of the ball. And I think Mark's right. If, if uh, you know, the, the on international stage, you know, defence is so important um, and there's maybe a little work on there, but uh, in terms of the natural ability and the you know, the basics, he's a quality player. Also, I guess the the, the sort of the position of centre in Wales has been, you know, looked at as, as as one of weakness when it comes to depth. But moving forward, I know Hadley Park's just gone, Owen Williams has just gone, but there's Nick Tompkins, Owen Watkins we mentioned, Willis Halaholo's there in the mix. And and there's you know, Johnny Williams looks like he's coming to Wales and it, he could be certainly one who could catapult himself onto the test scene very quickly, couldn't he? Well, the interesting thing, although, you know, um, we talk about what we could see now is very much the front-line option of Tompkins and Jonathan Davis. Because Parks and Owen Williams have gone, there is this opportunity now for someone to put their hands up and come into the mix in the squad. You mentioned Halla Hollow. Obviously, he was called up last year, then had the very unfortunate injury. We just hope he can come back, you know, back to full health again. Johnny Williams is a fascinating one, you know, classy player, you know, played for England, but in a non-cap match, so still available. And we are, he's coming to the Scarlets and he'll be in the mix. Uh, the one I like, and Mark can probably talk about him as well, it, it, I like the look of Kieran Williams at the Ospreys. He's got the, the shape of a of a young Scott Gibbs to him, you know, low centre of gravity. And I, I think as a different kind of option in the centre, I, I really like the look of him. Yeah, I, I think with him, I think what he needs, he needs rugby. Um, he's had a lot of injuries and he was just coming into form um, when we were hit by this pandemic. But uh he sort of breaks the line. He's only small, but he's a pocket rocket, makes his tackles, and um, he, he is a really good prospect, but he needs to play rugby because, you know, that's how you learn, basically. And he, uh, he, needs, to, he needs to sort of develop a little bit of composure on the pitch as well. I think it was against Leinster at the Norley he made a superb break from the halfway to about five metres from the line. He panicked a little bit short on a bit of composure, which you get from playing rugby. But he's a really, really good prospect. And uh, the other lad at the Ospreys, um, Tian Thomas Wheeler, who's not a bad player as well. In fact, I I saw one website 
talking about him the other week as a potential Lions bolter. Yeah, it was in the Rugby yeah. Pass website, wasn't it? Um, uh, the, the, the other one I like, Mark, I don't know if you've seen much of him, is the youngster at the Dragons and Iron Owen. I watched a fair bit of him for Wales in the 20s. And I, I'd like, hopefully, I mean, obviously Tompkins isn't going to be available for a huge amount of the season. It'd be good to see an Iron getting some chance because I think he's a real prospect in the centre as well. No, he's... he's a big prospect, isn't he? Because yeah. um, the Dragons were sort of... Uh, used last season to sort of build him up a little bit. I don't think they played him at all. But um, he's a midfield general. He's a bright guy. And uh, he's got skills. He also makes his tackles. And yeah, and again, he would only be about 19. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's going to come through. I think the Scarlets have got a couple of year not there as well. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. I think, you know, having talked about it maybe just a year ago, is a bit of a problem position coming through. Despite the uh, departures of... of Parks and the Wayne Williams, there is talent coming through. Joe, you know, we've got Ben Thomas of the Blues as well, another one. Yeah, so yeah, it'd be one of the many things that's interesting to look forward to when rugby returns. Indeed. And the other do, thing about... do you expect to see much more, Simon, of Scott Williams? You'd know more that about his injury. Issue. You'd know more about his injury. I mean, he's had torrid time with he, on the injury front with his back and various issues. I, it's a shame, you know, because when you think about it, when Jamie Roberts kind of moved out to the pecking order around about 2017, it really seemed, didn't it, this is the, the time when Scott Williams will come through. But for various reasons, it hasn't really happened, you know. And such a quality player made such key interventions for Wales over the years. You'd really hope now that maybe after a break, you know, enforced break with lockdown, that he can come back fully fit. But um, years are passing by for Scott as well. But, you know, you wouldn't want to rule him out because he's a quality player again. No, probably, definitely not. And he probably rushed himself back, didn't he, for the World Cup? He, he, yeah. From where he came from in terms of injury, where he couldn't bend down, he probably did rush himself back a little bit too quickly to, to, to give himself a chance of reaching the World Cup. So maybe this break will do him the world of good. Um the other good thing about an Iron Bet Owen is uh, is that his nickname yeah. apparently at Ebu Vale is NHS. You almost gave it away there, didn't you? <laughs> I did. It's all in the timing. Staying with the Dragons, they've uh, announced a sign in just in the last hour. Um, second row, just recently released from Connacht. And his name is? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this. Um, it's Joe Maximu. That'll do. That'll do. Um, yeah, I, mean, I he played um, with Connaught and Le- Leicester previously. Welsh qualified, um, big lad, um, six foot eight. Yeah, yeah, he's a big, big boy. Um, hasn't had a huge amount of uh, senior rugby, but again, it fits in with this project that the Welsh Rugby Union and the regions have of trying to bring Welsh qualified players into the, the regional setup and. Um, you know, people. Are, was it Mark? They always say people are that you, you can't you can't coach six foot eight, can you? Yeah, well, that's what Gatlin said of Adam Beard, didn't he? Mm. Um, in fact, he added two inches to his height. He said, <laughs> you, can't, you, you can't coach a six foot ten second row, but um, yeah, I think with the Dragons, <laughs> I, I think the Dragons. Well, they, they have been looking at Will Rowlands as well, and um, as far as I'm aware, that, that that avenue hasn't been closed down yet. Yeah, I checked up on that this week in a few couple of sources down there, and they're still hopeful. And um, the kind of fifty-fifty was the way it was termed to me. It's all a bit complicated in, in English rugby at the moment, isn't it? Because of the the financial situations and possibility of like wage cuts being enforced, how that leaves things contractually. You know, Rollins is contracted until twenty twenty-one. 
But, you know, as we've seen with the Reese Carey situation, slightly different, obviously, because that's tied in with the relegation of Saracens. But it just shows you that things can be fluid. And mm. if, if, if wage cuts are being imposed, does that possibly mean the players then become free agents? So would there have to be a transfer fee involved? These are all these are new waters we're heading, heading into, Mark, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's 100%. If, the, if a club uh, unilaterally imposes uh, a pay cut, then the contract is, is breached and, and that player can, can leave if he so wishes. So, yeah, we, we don't know. Uh, going back to the Dragons, they've got a really good second row coming through in Ben Carter. Uh, Not seen anything of him. Yeah, no, he played for Wales in the 20s, only a young lad. And mm. um, he's, he's, he's good around the field, I think. He might have played every minute of every game in the under-20s uh, championship, uh, and he was really impressive. Because there is an opportunity there, Mark, isn't there? Because Corey Hill has moved on to Cardiff Blues. Um, we don't know if Rowlands is going to come in. So the likes of Joe's just come through now. Um, Carter and also I think uh, Max Williams there as well. Yeah. They'd be looking for one of those to really come through and push on this season. Uh, but of course, you know, if they could get Rollins back, it'd be another big boost for them and also a boost for Welsh rugby because of the availability for all squads duties. And he was one of the kind of um, one of the players that you know was really impacted by the truncation of the season because I, I think he was going to be involved against Scotland, Mark, wasn't he? Um, you know and. Uh, the occasions when we did see him get a bit of time for Wales, he, he looked up something about him with his power, his size, and you know his his athleticism. So, yeah, he, another second row coming into the mix. Of course, yeah, Brandon, I think we, uh, yeah, Brandon, sorry, sorry, so of course, Brandon Nansen's left the Dragons, hasn't he? Um, That's a good point. Yeah, um, <clears throat> didn't play much, did he? Really? No, and it was it was a sort of position that they needed strengthening because beyond Matthew Screech, who you know really excelled last season it, it, they were struggling for depth there so I think any new additions would be welcomed hmm. the thing is it does take time to I mean the statement of the obvious but it does take time to bring through a second row I mean the only sort of the only young really young locks that I can remember sort of bursting on the scene and making such a you know a huge impact over the last 10 sub 15 years possibly in Wales anyway would be Ali Wynn and um, Ian Evans, they came through with 20-year-olds at the Ospreys and they were almost, to, to borrow a, a, a Boris Johnson phrase, sadly, they were almost having ready at, at, at that point, you know, and, and they were outstanding straight away, uh, particularly Alan Wynn. Uh, well, within a year, they were both playing for Wales. Yeah, you're right, because if you look at someone like Ian Goff, you know, he started very young, played in the game. You were out in Pretoria for Mark in 1998 as a youngster. He needed to go back and sort of build his game. And then probably Ian probably played his best rugby, what, in his late 20s, early 30s, possibly? Yeah, he did. And as I say, it's rare as the player, particularly a forward, who, who sort of comes on stream at 20 or early 20s, second row or front row forward. And I can remember that um, I think Alan Wynn and Ian Evans, after about four or five games, they played against Edinburgh. Um, and, and there was a dust-up, an on-pitch dust-up, and neither of them took a backward step. And later, and they were up against mature sort of 28-year-olds, 30-year-olds. And later, the Scottish coaches, they were telling Roger Blythe, you know, what two outstanding prospects these guys were. And, you know, history tells us they were right. Mm. Okay, let's um, move on to some business that's taken place elsewhere. Uh, the Cardiff Blues, 
have also announced uh, signing last night. Um, Reese Carey's on his way back. Another one that was widely trailed. Yeah, it's an interesting one. This one. Um, I'll give the listeners a bit of an insight. My understanding is that this was pretty much done kind of February time, you know. Um, but obviously everything's been in abeyance with uh, with rugby going into shutdown and lockdown. And I guess it impacts upon when teams can announce things. And I mean, Corey Hill and, and, and Carre, you know, they were both done a long time ago. But, you know, the most important thing is they're done from the Blues' perspective. And from Carre's perspective, it's a big plus for Wales, for Welsh rugby as well. Um, they were disappointed when he left to go to Saracens last season. Um, it was a complicated situation because the offer of a new contract for them had been delayed because of Project Reset. We've explained all this before. And Saracens nipped in and signed him. And you can understand it from Carrie's perspective. He joined the European and English champions. Um, but he's had limited opportunities there. I think it's probably five or six games only for Saracens. He had a sending off against the Ospreys, Mark. I think you were there. And also, yeah. obviously, then this, the season ends then in March. So it's, it's been a short stay. I think you'd have learned things from it. Train, you know, you're bound to learn things training alongside the likes of the Vunapolas and, and Farrell and Cruz and all of those at Saracens. Um, but the Brewers have, you know, ever since the announcement was made about Saracens being relegated over breaches of wage caps, um, a bit of the salary cap they've been monitoring the situation carefully and they've got their man now and um yeah he's the kind of player you know you can base around your, a lot of your pack around for 10 years really kind of he's still only 22 i think you know he's um really made rapid progress when you think the the reason why he's playing for wales now is because when he signed for saracens uh, sort of towards the end of last season, he was still uncapped. You know, he's since then he's gone out to establish himself as very much a key member of the Welsh squad. He played five games in the World Cup, um, including the you know the business end of the tournament, the knockout stages. Came off the bench in those three games against France, uh, South Africa, and New Zealand. A couple more outings in the Six Nations. So he's now returning as very much an established international. So they're getting a player back. Who's you know been honed to another level again, and uh, yeah, it's a big, big signing for the Blues and a plus for Welsh rugby, and it, it follows on from a number, doesn't it, Mark? Of you've had Jonah Holmes uh, coming back, uh, coming to Wales. You've obviously had Josh Adams came coming last season. Um, Moriarty's re-signed for Wales. You've Navidi signed a new contract. Uh, sorry, Moriarty's re-signed the Dragons. Navidi re-signed. It's good, isn't it? The exodus we became used to. I know you've got Parks and Rowan Williams going, but the exodus we became used to is generally been reversed and you are seeing players Welsh qualified players coming to Wales back to Wales or to Wales on a regular basis now no it's brilliant news um for Welsh rugby because because of his age basically what he, he is 22 23 and 22. um when when Saracens did play at the Ospreys I know he only lasted four minutes on the pitch <laughs> but, be, but, but before, before that they were the best four minutes I think I've ever seen he, he, he did actually make an impact in the, but before the match before the match I was going to say before the match um, the word on the street was that they were really really impressed with him just his attitude his potential and they saw a big player in the making there um and if the Blues could get the best out of him, they could have a really, really good prop who could serve them. Yeah, you're right, for a decade. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Reese, I've watched him from a young age come through, play for the Cardiff club side. And I remember him at Corpus Christi School um, and then obviously Cowbridge as well. He played under 20s. He's, you know, he's always someone who stood out because of his sheer size, you know, and 
I think with Wales last summer, they got his weight down a little bit, didn't they? Because I think, you know, he was a big lad. Um, fitness, he worked really hard in the training camp, impressed them so much. He got into the Wales World Cups, got ahead of Rob Evans in the end, didn't he, if you recall? Um, the big thing with yeah, him, he's, yeah. su- he's such a strong ball carrier. You know, he, he's, and once he... Breaks the line. I think it was the Uruguay game in the World Cup. Remember, Mark broke yeah, the line a couple yeah. of times, and you saw the pace he had to go away. Then uh, you know things like people like him don't props like him don't come around too often. Clearly, still a work in progress at the scrum. But let's not forget, you know, in some big, big scrummaging situations in the World Cup with him and another young prop, Dylan Lewis, were very much in the firing line. They did a decent job, didn't they? And they're both, I think, uh, now obviously together at the Blues, um, you know, both the young props with big, big futures. Yeah, you, you'd hope that um, Rhys Carey would have learned a lot as well from his time in London with Saracens. Doing because Nicola, yeah. it, 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 it was a bit of a concern for me that Gatlin felt the need... Uh, for him to lose ten pounds in weight, uh, or pushing a stone no. in weight, some yeah it was. Like and um, you 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 sort of you <laughs> sort of wonder how did it, it reach that uh, situation in the first place with you as well as with. Uh, <laughs> well, I can explain my situation. <laughs> but um, he's clearly he's clearly look if he's if he's on his if he's on his game as far as his mind is concerned and he's. He's serious about his, his fitness, etc. He's going to be a really, really good player um, for Wales. Yeah, and you, you, you know, you're probably looking at fifty caps and beyond, and that's a big statement. But um, he's he's got a lot of potential. When when rugby international rugby returns, Mark, it's a difficult question. This, but where do you see the loose head pecking order? Because you got Carre, Wynne Jones, Nicky Smith, Rob Evans. None of them are what you would say. Absolutely nailed on and the number one jersey, are they? Who who do you think will emerge as the front runner? Uh, you're absolutely right. It's it's a really really tight call. You'd think that of the four, Carrie's got the most growth in him, but um, whether he's ready, you know, for perhaps you know to sort of come up to the uh, the rigors of a scrummaging uh, examination. Again, and say England, I don't know, a Twickenham from the start is another matter. He's going to come through. I don't know when. Uh, Nicky Smith offers so much around the, the field. Of, of the of the four of them, I'd say he offers perhaps the most. But, you know, Nicky needs a defining performance as a scrimmaging prop as well. I think, uh, I think probably just edging it for me at this moment would be Wynne Jones. Um, I, th- I thought he had a great little World Cup. Um he was complimented by Graham Roundtree, who suggested he'd have a great future. I think Rob Evans, we know what Rob Evans can do. Um, he sort of blows a little bit hot and cold, but he is a really good player. Um, I've got a funny feeling for the final game of the Six Nations, Wynne Jones has been brought back. But I don't well, think was... even Pivak knows. No, I mean, Wynne Jones, I thought Wynne, do you think, I thought Wynne had a slight post World Cup hangover? Um, because obviously people are more aware of him came in and did a fantastic job in the World Cup you know, going along with solidifying the scrum which had been an issue in the warm-up games uh, and then Rob Evans comes back into the equation uh, Carey, I mean, all Carey's caps bar one so far have come off the benchmark so you you make a good point there but the, you know, you've got to make that step to being right I'm the starter now I, I think it's a fascinating yeah, yeah. battle uh, to be honest, Ben I think I disagree I think it's one of a number of fascinating battles. You look at that Wales team for the autumn now, it's quite hard to pick. You know, there's quite a few positions yeah. where, you know, there's there's good options and, 
the other thing was how much rugby are people going to get actually to play before we have the all because I think the focus is going to be international rugby, isn't it? So yeah, it's it's fascinating to see how the Wales team will shake up for the autumn. Yeah, what what they need to do, and Wayne Pivot will know it as well. While we're on the subject of props, they need to sort of find the best scrummage in front row as well because they really miss Thomas Francis. He's unheralded by a lot of people, but. Um, Presumably what he's fit again now, isn't he? So much. Although, Why you, you think so? Welsh will look with, so much stronger in the world. What will happen with Thomas Francis next? Obviously, oh, does anybody understand his contract situation? <laughs> Let's be was, fair. Now that, I've never known cap thing is a bit of a. It's a, he's, it's a literal he's, lottery with the number of rollovers in his contract. I mean, it's a weird one. We do understand, though, don't we? Is it, tell me if this is right, Mark. That this now is the final, final stretch of his contract. Is that right? Well, that's the way he seems to be speaking, doesn't he? He was, he was, he was quoted in a newspaper article the other day. Is I say pretty much that I, I don't know what I'm going to do um, when, when I come to the when I come to the end of this contract because I think he's had two where he's he's so so to speak dodged the bullet. Um, can he get can but, he get um, to, can he get to sixty before his contract expires? What's he on at the minute? He's, he's, on, 50, 40, he's on fifty something, isn't he? Ooh, with the number of games that are going to be scheduled this coming year, you never know, do you? Um, yeah, I yeah. Can't if, if, I'll, if I'll, this while we're talking, I'll have a little check now. Yeah, good player, though, isn't he? He is Very a good, good player. player. And, um, you know, he, he anchors the Welsh scrum. We never got to see how good Will Griff John was. It's a 48 days. caps, Mark. He's on 48. So... It's going to be, it's going to, well, is he going to play in every game? He's probably not, is he? No, so it's... by the end of the season, it may be that he... He'll, be tantalisingly close, he'll have a, he? Yeah, he'll have, yeah, he'll have a decision to make, won't he? Um, I do Will feel be... a little bit for him, mind, because he's never played in Wales before. And yeah, it's a difficult so... situation. It's similar to Tompkins, really, isn't it? And is. um, you know, a bit, a bit like Will Griff John, although Will obviously started with Cardiff and Cardiff Blues. But I mean, the other one for me, Mark. I don't know what you feel about this. I thought he made good progress last season. Was Leon Brown at, at the Dragons? I think he benefited from working under Olivier Azam then. And you know, at the start of the season, we were talking about his yellow cards, weren't we? A little bit, you know, and the penalty, well, not yellow cards, sorry, the number of penalties he was giving away. But I thought he uh, he, he really grew during the season, and uh, you'd hope that he could kick on again when rugby returns. Yeah, he looks immense in the loose, doesn't he? He's got a try against the Ospreys. You know, it uh, it didn't look as if anything would stop him. You probably need a harpoon or something to stop him. Um, but um, he looked really, really strong in that game. But I haven't really seen enough of him as a scrummager to say that, you know, he's the finished article yet. And perhaps, you know, that's been a bit harsh because perhaps he's only young. Perhaps it's to be expected, you know, that he, again... Like Rhys Carey, he's, he's got growth in him, but there's got to come a point where he's, you know, he's, he's got to sort of make us come up with a statement performance uh, as a scrummager. And uh, yeah, Azam would have helped him, and uh, hopefully he's heading in the right direction, but still think it's a little bit of work there, perhaps. Yeah, I, th I think maybe the other thing, the Six Nations taught us, obviously we're missing Thomas Francis, and we had a lot of young props, is... Jonathan Humphrey's sort of approach to the scrum uh, is very honest, and given how many sort of young props you have, it, it, it it's maybe not the best environment because it comes across a little naive, doesn't it? When you you're relying on the referee to to to, to be 
you're sort of asking for for, for honesty and, and and for things to be refereed well in 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 the media. It does come across a bit naive, and that maybe didn't help the young props at times. I mean, the scrum has been a big talking point for Wales for a year now, isn't it? Let's be honest, really. Um, yeah. And the other one that's interesting to me, when we look at the front row, I mean, what is, what is Ken Owens now? Mark 33 coming into... He would be 34. around 33, yeah. You know, that's another one. That Ken can't go on forever. Um Elliot D's been in that setup for a long time. You've got, a, you've got a, you know, he's got you know, contributed a lot to it. You've got a lot of time for Dewey Lake as a prospect, haven't you? Yeah, again, you know, I haven't seen enough of him. No one has at top level. He's, Big I mean, lad, look, isn't he? he's, he's, he's six foot one, he's 17 stone seven. That's a starting point and a decent one. Scott Baldwin, <laughs> Scott Baldwin was telling me how highly he rated him, and Scott believes that he'd come through. And he'll be there or thereabouts for a, a Wales World Cup place in 2023. Um, I think he's, he, he looks the part. He, he had an absolutely terrific um, 2019 Junior World Championship. It was um, just outstanding with Jack Morgan and Tommy Raffle. Just over the ball, tackling, setting an example. His leadership was good. He's mature. He, he never shirks responsibility. And... Um, I mean, there are core elements to his game that need to be improved because he's a converted back rower, so he needs to his his, his lineup throwing is a constant work on, if you like, to lapse into court speak. But I was talking to Alan Clark when he was coaching at the Ospreys, and Alan was saying pretty much that that for a hooker, the, the priority, the absolute priority, is to get on top of the core elements in your game, such as your scrimmaging such as you throw in and then everything else around the field is great it's, 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 but it is ultimately a, a little bit of a bonus you've simply got to get your throw in right got to get your scrummaging right I'm sure it's, there's no problem at all with his scrummaging I mean as I say you know, 17 and a half stone and you know he's, he's, he's a keen learner as well so I got, I got big hopes for him um, at the Ospreys you know he didn't have opportunities they tell me that he would have had um uh, the season not being suspended. Um, so hopefully, you know, he'll really, really kick on. But it is quite competitive down at the Ospreys at Hooker. I, I like Ryan Elias as well at the Scarlets. Um, hasn't had a huge amount of opportunities for Wales. He's been in the part of that squad for a while now, but good ball carrier, you know, physical player. Um, it's interesting. I think this is a key season in terms of almost the, what, you, what we used to call it when Gethin was coming to the end. It was the, the succession plan, wasn't there? And I, you kind of now... It's fascinating to see because there's going to be a lot of international games. Which hooker is going to get the game time? And uh, again, it's good to have youngsters pushing hard and to have these options. Yeah, yeah, they got Elliot D, and they and um, Elliot's been sort of uh, waiting in the wings for uh, ever and a day, really, uh, behind Ken Owens. But I think Ken, the lesson of Ken's experience, suggests that uh, you know an opportunity will eventually arise. I remember in the 2011 World Cup in Auckland, walking up this hill and I bumped into Ken and he looked really deflated. He, he, he barely had any action at all. I think he came on off the bench against Namibia for half an hour and that was it. And he, he, was, he was a bit sort of uh, down over it. But uh, to his eternal credit, you know, he's, uh, he came back, worked hard at his game, developed, probably go down as... One of well, he is undoubtedly one of Wales's great hookers, if not the greatest hooker, you know. Um, but yeah, patience does bring and perseverance does bring reward. So, Elliot D, yeah, I wouldn't rule him out either. 
I guess it it could depend on who impresses when the regions return. And um, we've just done a story today, Sai, you have about the fixtures. Yeah, I've been doing a bit of digging behind the scenes to try and uh, find out. The, the complication was um, we we knew all along that the, um, the the plan was for the Guinness Pro 14 to return on August the 22nd with the first of two rounds of derby fixtures in each country. But uh, what we know is that when the season came to an abrupt halt in early March, there were still three rounds of Welsh derbies to be played. So the question is, what permutation would they come up for the two weeks? Now, what I understand is going to happen on the opening weekend of August the 22nd, essentially we're going to utilise what was supposed to be the Judgment Day fixtures. So that's the Scarlet against Cardiff Blues and the Ospreys against the Dragons. That was going to be played on Judgment Day 8 in April. Um, now, obviously, the, the Principality Stadium won't be available for that because um, it's still being utilised as the Dragons Hartfield Hospital. So the understanding is that those games will be played at the home venue. So you'd have the Scarlets, Parker Scarlets against the Blues and then the Ospreys of the Liberty against the Dragons. I think if you look at it, I think that'll be during a kind of break in football, won't it? Because I think the idea is that the next season football resumes in kind of mid-September. So there shouldn't, in yeah. theory, be clashes uh, with the football grounds. And then um, August the 29th, the following weekend, we don't know the days and the kickoff times here. Obviously, TV will have a big say on that. August the 29th then, um, my understanding is it's going to be uh, the Dragons against the Scarlets and Cardiff Blues against the Ospreys. Now, the interesting bit there, of course, um, as the Principality Stadium is out of action, so is the Arms Park, which is also part of the, the field hospital facility. So that's unavailable. So the Blues will have to find an alternative venue for that game. Now, some people might argue, why don't they go to Ponty, Sardis Road? Why don't they go to Merthyr? It'll, it'll, that'll kick off now a little bit, I'm sure. Um, my understanding is that there's a couple of key issues that just decide. It has to be like um, a COVID-approved venue. And I'm told the, the COVID manual in terms of facilities is like pages, 60 pages long or something. There's a lot of things, boxes to tick. And it has, to, has also to be... Um, a pro standard facility in terms of things such as you know commentating TV and electronic advertising things like that. So my understanding is that the, the favourite at the moment for the for the Blues game on the 29th that weekend would be Rodney Parade. Now you could argue that that would make sense. You could have a double header on the same day, given the Dragons are home to the Scarlets. But in a way, that doesn't really tie in with COVID measures because it would mean twice the number of people on site, which is kind of what you're trying to avoid. So I think what you will more likely not have that weekend is um, the Dragons playing the Scarlets on the one day that weekend, and then the Blues playing the Ospreys on the other. Obviously, uh, none of this has been confirmed yet. You have to trust my sources a little bit, but this is what I'm hearing. Um, uh, Clearly, those fixtures, in terms of tangible impact, is limited because... We know already that European qualification was decided at around 13, so these games won't count towards that. Uh, they will count towards the playoffs, but although it's mathematically possible for the Scarlet to get in via Conference B, it's unlikely. I think they're eight points behind Munster. So realistically, um, there's, there's nothing hugely tangible on them, but um, particularly for those teams, the Dragons and the Scarlets, that a European Challenge Cup quarterfinals coming up in mid-September, they're vital preparation for those games. And uh, more than anything... I think people will just be glad to see rugby. You won't be able to get in there. They'll be behind closed doors. But to actually have Welsh rugby players playing again um, after a five-month absence mark, it'll be great to see. Yeah, could could the, could the Blues not uh, negotiate a one-off sort of deal to play 
Cardiff City Stadium? Well, the thing is, the, the, I guess the issue is that really, in, in a sense, it doesn't really matter where they play in terms of size because or location because you, you can't have supporters in there anyway, right? Sure. Um, so in that sense, it might make, make more sense to keep it within the rugby community. I mean... Be, what exactly would happen in terms of a, a fee? Would there be a fee if the, the Blues would play for the draft? It's a complicated one because it's owned by the Welsh Rugby Union. Would the union charge the Blues in this current climate? Whereas um, they probably would have to pay a fee to utilise the Cardiff City Stadium, wouldn't they? Um, so I think that's that's the view on that one, that in a way that they'll probably look to keep it within the rugby community. And, you know, it's, it's not far. But as I say, where it is, Mark, it doesn't really matter that much because you will, will the press even be allowed in there, I wonder? No, you're right. It, it, that particular fixture doesn't really matter, does it? Because uh, European qualification has effectively been decided. Will have been decided by then. You know, the Dragons, the Ospreys could finish above the Dragons, possibly the Blues, but it wouldn't make any difference whatsoever because they've used the conference table as of run, after round 13, and that's the end of it. So yeah, that that fixture doesn't really matter. It's just a means, I guess, of introducing players and uh, making sure people don't have dead rubbers and uh, just going through the motions, introducing new players like Reese Webb needs rugby and I'm sure the Ospreys will look at their other new sign-ins. And, um, well, Tompkins as well, the Dragons. I mean, yeah. I think it needs to be, you need the caveat. I have to add the caveat in here that these games are penciled in. They're scheduled to happen, but clearly in each country you would have to get the public health approval of the of the authorities in those countries for it to go ahead. Um, we wait to see exactly where we are on contact sports in Wales, um, but that is the plan. And of course, then that means if you're going to play by August the twenty second, you've realistically got to get in what four to six weeks training. We're now July was it July the first today, so. Yeah. August twenty second. That's about seven weeks away. So there ain't much room um, for for sort of um, manoeuvre here. Um, what we're understanding is that the regions are looking now at the final, you know, how they can move from what essentially has been training in isolation to training in some form of groups. Obviously, not with contact training yet. But as I say, a huge amount of this depends on exactly what's approved by the government. What, what are you hearing from the Ospreys, Mark? What are their plans for getting back together and, and kind of starting back on training? I think they start back on Monday. Uh, right. That's the idea. I think today is... I think the, the staff are starting to assemble today. So I think actually today could be Toby Booth's first day in work. And um, I think the players will be in... My understanding is as of Monday, uh, which is a day or two later, I think some... Are the Blues in today? Well, the Dragons, when we spoke to Dean Ryan on Monday at the Zoom conference with Nick Tompkins, he said, the date he used was actually Wednesday today, so he said that was the day they were looking to move into some form of group. Now, I, 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 obviously, you know, they were, these regions, they will have looked in detail about things like travelling, um, hygiene issues, uh, social distancing. There, there will have been a lot of talk and a lot of preparation behind closed doors. Every time I ring them, there's meetings going on, you know. So I'm sure they've gone through it with a fine tooth comb. The other interesting thing for me, Martin, I don't know what you've heard about this. Are we presuming, that, Ben, I don't know if you know this as well, are we presuming that we're going to go down the same route as football? Is there going to be weekly testing of players when we start resuming playing? Is, is that the plan? I'm, I'm not sure. I've seen, obviously, Connacht went back in a training last week, didn't they? Um, mm. Over in Ireland, and 
before their training sessions, they were having some pretty strenuous looking uh, testing done of the you know the swab up the nostril, which doesn't look too pleasant. So I don't quite know. You'd what... think they'd have to be, wouldn't you? You'd imagine so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you would think that would have to be the case, but um, I mean, you know, when the game starts, you're going to have thirty blokes jumping on top of each other, you know, which in terms of sort of social distancing doesn't exactly conform perfectly. So I think you know, for players to be able to do that, you think they'd have to have you know all clear testing wise before going into that kind of high contact sport, wouldn't you? Yeah, most most definitely, um, and afterwards as well. Yeah, uh, and speaking of training, obviously the Cardiff Blues have had to go out and find a new, a new training venue because of all that's going on. It's um, It's been a year of flex for them. I think we can refer to that. They, they, last year, obviously, they moved out of their long-term base at the Vale of Morgan, which, um, you know, Wales are also based at. Um, that came to an end, that agreement they had there, and they obviously needed a new home. So they went to their actual home. They went to the Arns Park, which... A bit of sort of conversion work. They turned the shop and the Martin Williams bar into the gym and weights room. They turned um, the press room, the old press room, into a medical facility. Uh, created a new press room, obviously the, the change room. So it was all change. But obviously, you know, it's all change again because the Arms Park is out of commission as part of the hospital facility. So they've been busy behind the scenes over the last couple of months trying to work out some kind of alternative. And what they've ended up with is um, they've got a new training venture, Pentwin Leisure Centre. Now, obviously, the leisure centres in Wales have been out of action during the pandemic. Uh, so it's available. They've done an agreement with the council and the, the group that runs the runs the leisure centre, and that's going to they're going to be based for their uh, indoor work. I think there's a four G there's an artificial pitch on the facility as well, and also they've still got Sophia Gardens for outdoor work. So what it does mean is you won't be seeing any blues players on scooters going between the Arms Park and Sophia Gardens as you did last season, and uh, it's uh, it's not ideal, it's not perfect, but this isn't. Uh, these aren't normal times, are they? No, indeed they're not. Um, probably for the best, you haven't got many Cardiff Blues boys going out on scooters between the Sapphire Gardens and the Arms Park because, I mean, it's quite a... Now that we're all allowed to do our exercise and walk around parks, that's quite a busy spot. So uh, I don't think them boys on scooters would be helping. Congestion around Butte Park and all that. Uh, I think that's it for today's. Yeah, well, I've got a meeting with the editor, so you better round up. I know. I've got my eye on the clock. I know you've got to shoot. Um, so that's it for today's podcast. Yeah, and I, I thought I thought we were set for a lengthy discussion on pay cuts for players, and <laughs> I mugged up on play, pay cuts. Next for week, Mark. Next week. Next week. Yeah, yeah we will. We well, you're on yeah. full. <laughs> you and Andy yeah. can have that one. <laughs> Uh, okay. Okay. We'll, we'll touch on that next week, I'm sure. But you can catch all the latest Welsh rugby news on Wales Online.